So hi guys and welcome to WEMcast. I'm here today with a colleague and friend Emma Slater. Um, today what I, what, I, what I want to do is do a, a little bit of a deep dive into her experiences as a newly or relatively newly qualified paramedic within, uh, within London in the middle of this pandemic. But um, what I'll do is hand over to her to introduce herself and her background. Yeah, hi Owen, thanks for having me along today. Came as a bit of a shock the other day, but it's nice to, to be asked along for this. Um, yeah, so I'm Emma, I'm a paramedic based in London where I've been for the last two and a half years um, since I qualified with a Bachelor of Science degree um, based out of the Surrey area. Um, prior to that, I did some some experience uh, working as a healthcare assistant in the hospital as well. So that's sort of my, my medical background um, so far. Brilliant, brilliant, Emma. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So I understand you because so you work in the very same station as I do in 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 Westminster. So you, I guess you you get a real cross section of work from Westminster and the roundabout area. But um, how many years have you been working in London for? Um, um so it's two and a half years now. Yeah. So mostly in Westminster in that time. So. Yeah. So just just to really bring it into um, some of the. Um, sort of contemporary um, sort of climate that we're working in because I'd like to delve a little bit into into your background and, and your experiences recently um, but just explain to people um, exactly what's happening right now because quite uniquely just as we were talking right then you've now been crewed with a firefighter is that, is that right so we're running a very different model at the moment. Yeah so actually I start on um, these extra sort of ambulances as of tomorrow that they have put out um, to deal with the, with the pandemic. Um, so that'll be involved with pairing up with a firefighter. So I start that tomorrow and probably we'll get a firefighter in a couple of weeks um, to help deal with everything. But this is where they've taken firefighters that are already blue light trained um, and just trained them up to sort of assist us on the road as paramedics, um, just to increase the manning and, and deal with everything. That was really a struggle a couple of weeks ago when we saw the um, the call rate absolutely soaring in London. Yeah, yeah, fantastic, fantastic, Emma. And uh, what's your thoughts on that um, from a clinical perspective? Because I think actually it'd be fantastic to have them along, and they'll they'll learn a whole new skill set, and we'll hopefully learn from them. Um, as far as clinical support is concerned, um, I, I'm I'm guessing you've got access to a clinical the clinical support desk but are you uh, would you would you normally bounce ideas around with the crewmates and will that change the dynamic slightly do you think yeah i think it's very interesting because you often will fall back on your crewmate and they have a little bit of an understanding about what's going on and they can they can support you much more easily than somebody who's only had sort of a short amount of training um but part of it the part of the reason i wanted to do this was to sort of take me outside of that comfort zone and give me a little bit of a different experience and and all the firefighters i've met so far have been really keen on on doing this process you know they're all people that volunteered to do it and it's just a fantastic thing to have that working relationship because firefighters aren't people that we often see out and about um and work with not not as much as we do with the police so i think it's a really interesting dynamic actually and i'm looking forward to it yeah that'd be fantastic that'd be fantastic like you said a lot more collaborative working which should be which should be great because you you'll get to see both the inside working of the of how of their mentality but also hopefully like you can impart some some information both ways which is which is fantastic actually emma so just just a broader uh, question emma would be how how has it been over the past few weeks for you yeah, so um, a, a few weeks ago, as I say, when when the call rate soared and we didn't really have 
the manning in place um, and, and there obviously was a lot of staff off sick either isolating because of their families or housemates um, or they had symptoms themselves um, it was a real struggle um, you know we, we were going job to job to job as, as we normally do but also knowing that there was lots of calls waiting um, so it was quite difficult to work in that environment really and um, fortunately with the extra manning that's been brought out um, things have changed slightly um, we're getting a little bit of time to sort of decompress, which which is great news because it's definitely something we need. Had it have kept up as it was a few weeks ago, I think there would have been a lot of people really struggling with that. Um, so, so yeah, it's really positive at the moment, actually, for me anyway. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. So, so yeah, absolutely. And I could really feel it, uh, I felt for my my colleagues and for the and for the ambulance service that we work for, because actually it's, it's such a difficult dynamic for, for, for the leaders and managers of, of, of the ambulance service, because, you know, you've got a whole card array of staff that are off, they're off sick, making it really difficult to, to staff and man ambulances, you know, uh, up to some, some, some at some point, sort of 30 40 percent off sick which is really difficult actually so it's I think it's been a yeah. real difficult time for for the leaders and managers as well which 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 I can sort of emphasize empathize with really but just from your perspective Emma sort of looking at when it when it was really when it was really busy um did you um what what were the intricacies of trying to navigate that from sort of wearing PPE? Because and having worn PPE myself, it's really difficult to communicate, to infer sort of information, have 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 you know have conversations on on scene. How did you sort of navigate that as as that started to come in? Um. So I think obviously there was there was quite a change over a period of time where maybe we weren't wearing PPE initially to all the jobs, um, and then it became that we were wearing it regularly. Um, I think you I've noticed mainly how much we do actually rely on our facial expression and, and sort of lip reading, especially with the elderly population. Um, so I found myself on jobs sort of having to actually just take my mask down from my PPE to, to communicate with these people because actually you're trying to say something really important, um, but they're not understanding. And, and how else are you supposed to do that? So it, it's been quite tricky in, in terms of that. I had one particular family where. Uh, one of the family members was was deaf but could lip read very well um, and they were all under quite a lot of stress really worried about their family member um, and I just found myself surrounded by family that all had coronavirus covid symptoms and couldn't taste or smell anything but there I was pulling down my mask to make sure I had that conversation with the family member and ensure that she was reassured about the situation so you know putting yourself at risk but making sure that they they do fully understand what's going on um, so yeah but also just putting on the PPE you know job every job um it gets a bit tiresome but you know it it needs to be done yeah absolutely absolutely i totally agree with you actually you know very very quite tiresome but 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 necessary and and like you've just inferred actually there emma you know the commonalities of symptoms what we're generally finding is the the absence of taste and or smell seems to be quite sensitive sensitive signs and symptoms to, to COVID-19. Now, uh, some of that's anecdotal, some of that's in the literature, but actually it seems to be very much my experience that people that have, that I've been treating um, do have an absence of taste and smell. Uh, and, and that seems to be sort of pointing to, to the, um, to, to the disease, but looking, so I, I know we were talking earlier about the fact you've, you've only been to one or two, a couple of cardiac arrests where it's been potentially um, COVID-19. Um, 
But what, just just about that cardiac arrest, because there was something interesting you said, which I think is worth picking up on. Um, so th- I believe they had underlying pathology or underlying comorbidities. Is, is that right? Yeah. So they had um, COPD or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, um, which I believe probably caused the cardiac arrest. And um, unfortunately, the patient hadn't wanted to go to hospital earlier to get this treated due to some previous experiences and probably also his his fear of, of COVID. Um, but yeah, because it's a respiratory disease, we had to treat it as possible COVID. And then that made obviously the family interaction quite difficult because at that point you have to stop anybody obviously seeing their family member that's that's now deceased. Um, so it was a really, really difficult situation. And I'm sure that our colleagues are experiencing that widely, um, which I think will be one of the main things that, that causes problems further down the line for our colleagues. Yeah, um, I mean, that seems to be a, a commonality, a couple of things there. Just just um, one is that um, have you have you experienced a real fear of going to hospital? Because I've certainly been to quite a few cardiac arrests where the patient's should have probably they they refused to go to hospital but should have probably gone to hospital when when we got to them earlier in the day or the day before because that's when they needed to that's when we could have caught them and caught their symptoms but have you seen a real fear and 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 um almost um sort of reluctance to go to to a and e yeah definitely um you know a lot of people we're meeting were saying you you really should go to hospital with this and and they are refusing. Um, I haven't necessarily met anybody that that is in immediate danger that's refused. Um, but I think it's also very noticeable in the A&E departments that they're so much emptier than than they usually would be because a lot of people are, are just treating or, or dealing with their symptoms at home where they would normally actually go go into hospital with with those things. So um, it is a very interesting dynamic to be working in. I think maybe part of the reason our call rate had increased as well might be because people would rather be checked over as per se in home at home rather than going into hospital and putting themselves or, or their family members at risk um yeah yeah indeed indeed and so just something else that you said before we touch on another another point is you know i think um something which we were speaking about earlier around there is quite a, we're seeing a lot quite a lot of underlying respiratory comorbidities uh being affected by this pathology um as an exacerbation so copd asthma um and and uh, and, and other underlying um, respiratory uh, diseases that that can actually be almost pronounced or or uh, or indeed um, exacerbated by by COVID COVID nineteen, and that's certainly my experience from treating a whole card array of of cardiac arrests in the past in the past couple of weeks. So it's interesting that that the the one that the patient you attended um, had had those symptoms. But just just from a personal perspective, Emma, um, have you? How, how have you dealt with, has it been a fearful experience? Have you, do you get, did you get a semblance of fear from colleagues and or yourself and or family going into this pandemic or have you been quite stoic and just accepting or how have you navigated your emotions in, in that way? Yeah, I, th- I think generally there is a, a state of fear. I think especially a few weeks ago there was. Um, I think I've brought comfort to myself in that I should have probably had it by now because I've met so many people with symptoms of it. So maybe I've already had it mildly. And therefore, I think now I'm not really worried anymore. Uh, maybe it's a, it's a false sense of security, but it, it's something. So I'm, I'm quite happy with that. But yeah, family is definitely worried. Um, and I can tell my colleagues are definitely worried as well. Um, yeah, especially especially a few weeks ago, there was a real heightened sense of, of worry. 
Um, but now things have been put in place to sort of triage patients a little bit more. Um, we're actually meeting less people with sort of mild um, coronavirus symptoms, which is making it easier to manage as well, I think, knowing that we're not exposing ourselves as much as we were a few weeks ago. Um, so, so I feel like the, the sense of fear has, has gone down a little bit. It has subsided, um, especially with myself anyway. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Have you seen a, a prevalence of, of, of or rise in mental health at all in the community or in your experience clinically? Um, yeah, what one case particularly sticks out where where a patient seemed to have a new onset of psychosis. She's never experienced anything like that before, and just being in lockdown for a couple of weeks in in her flat and being under stress and not sleeping um, just meant she was talking complete gobbledygook. Um, out of nowhere really um so that, that was definitely one that stuck out to me um but i think there will there will be more to come especially as, as the lockdown is extended um especially people that are, are lonely and isolated on their own um i think we're getting more calls to elderly people that might normally call us quite a lot anyway but now even more because they've, they've got nobody to see um so it's quite tricky yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so something you mentioned earlier emma about demand pattern and, and about the demand profile at the moment versus versus a couple of weeks ago because like you said very difficult situation a couple of weeks ago a lot of staff off high call rates now the call rate seems to have dropped off um it's uh, how how does that look to you because i saw you the other day and we heard about yeah. seven or eight ambulances um on station which was bizarre to see yeah so i i think um everything they've done up in the control room to manage calls has been really fantastic. So, so the call rate has gone down, whether that be due to those those measures or, or the amount of media going out as to only call us in an emergency. And then obviously we've increased the manning as well. And I imagine that the staff levels have gone back up as people have become better as well. Um, but yeah, it, it does make such a change to have that downtime with our colleagues, um, be able to sort of interact with each other. And as I say, decompress. Um, it's just been a really, really nice period in a way to be able to do that, um, especially after it seemed like it was just going to be um, awful for a long period of time based on what we were experiencing a few weeks ago. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's quite fortunate that it's gone that way because I think otherwise we'd all be really struggling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, like you said, cognitive and uh, and psychologically, it's nice to have um, a community of, of, of staff with you so you can like I said decompress and 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 talk to talk to each other which is which is absolutely fantastic so do you um do you think that so am i i'm right in the understanding that you've got this this new line with the firefighter for just a couple of months and then it's going to be under review yeah so i think it's going to continue until um sort of july but um then at that point they'll they'll see how we're managing really and see what sort of state um, the country as a whole is in and, and then decide going forward whether it's still required um so yeah it'll be interesting to see see where things go in the next few weeks definitely yeah absolutely absolutely and have you seen other colleagues in hospital and or you know nurses doctors um or other sort of allied health professionals under duress at this time is it have you have you, have you sort of felt the pinch when transferring um patients in into hospitals um into different eds yeah, definitely. I think I think there's a lot of stress in the hospitals. You know, we're in a really f fortunate position that we we still only go to one patient at a time. I've always found us really fortunate in that. You know, we're always um, a lot less under a lot less stress than any departments, even at normal times. 
and I've especially noticed the the struggles that they're having with um, the lack of staffing as well. Um, so you know that they're, they're short staffed and that they're dealing with even more than they would normally be. Um, I think that our control room must be feeling that as well, or, or they were a few weeks ago, much more than we were. We can only sort of do one at a time and that, that's the best we can do. So we're, we're quite lucky. Um, but yeah, A&E colleagues have been quite, quite stressed. I think um, I've heard other people saying that they've seen nurses crying and, and you know, that, that sort of situation and, and definitely seeing the, the fear on them as well. Um, I think it's been quite nice how they've been looking out for us as well, though. And when we've been going in there, you know, I've had doctors asking me, you know, are you guys OK? How are you getting on out there? And it's just really lovely. Like the um, the corroboration between us all has been has been quite, quite nice to see. Yeah, that's fantastic. Emma, that's fantastic. And what are some of the wider collaboration and support that, that you've that, that you've been noticing just either from industry, from the community, from from shops and or uh, um, and or businesses? Have, have you have you sort of felt supported from from that angle as well yeah so one thing I've noticed is the police have been absolutely fantastic um making donations to hospitals or to ambulance stations and just generally you know being a smiley happy presence and turning up to because I think their call rate's gone down as well so they'll they'll stop if they see us driving on blue lights to a job and they'll be like oh do you need help or anything um, which has been really lovely. But yeah, the wider community, you know, we're getting regular donations from a local hotel to the ambulance station of food, which is just fantastic. And even when this all first started and, and Costa, oh, sorry, I probably shouldn't say, um, coffee shops were making, um, you know, allowing us to have free drinks, etc. It only lasted for a few days, but it was, it was a real boost when it was really, really busy. Um, and just, you know, members of the public stopping and saying hello and thank you so much. And it's, yeah, it's a nice change. I mean, our, our work hasn't changed a huge amount to normal, I wouldn't say. You know, we're still going patient to patient. And that side of things hasn't changed a lot. But to have that appreciation was just really a boost to what is what is quite difficult. You know, patient interactions, not not allowing people to come to hospital with us, and, you know, family members, etc. It has made the job more difficult in that way. Um, so actually having that extra appreciation has has been really helpful that's fantastic um, yeah absolutely absolutely Emma absolutely and so have you felt the pinch of social social isolation Emma I mean I know you're you're in a in a house with a couple of other is it, I understand are they are they paramedics yeah so I'm really lucky I'm with three other paramedics so I at least get to see people and socialize and then obviously at work I get to see people as well so um I think quite fortunate in a way that I can still go to work, not like other people that are out of work or, and just, you know, stuck in their households, etc. We've got a garden here, so we're, we're fortunate to have that in, in central London. Um, but yeah, um, it's, it's not been too bad, actually, for me. So that's good. Good, good. And so um, are you aware of any colleagues that might have um, that might have suffered from COVID-19 as well? Talking to some of my um, doctor colleagues, uh, there, there's some some pretty bad cases, some critical care cases, some not so bad cases, but certainly it's definitely affected a whole card array of healthcare professionals. Has it has it affected any of your colleagues at all? Have you, have, do you know anyone who's been affected by COVID nineteen? Yeah, I've definitely only heard of um, mild symptoms so far, or, or you know, m mild in terms of what other people are experiencing. Um, I think mainly because a, a lot of the co our colleagues at Westminster are quite young. Um, then maybe we've come off quite lightly 
And as I said earlier about my false sense of security with um, thinking I must have already had it, that's actually been proven wrong in the last few days by somebody else becoming unwell with mild symptoms uh, uh, who had the same sort of thought. Um, but yeah, there, there's been quite a few people that have had mild symptoms or a lot of people walking around saying, you know, I didn't have anything other than a lack of sense, um, sense of taste or smell and that they've probably had it, but, um, you know, haven't been tested for it. So you can't prove it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely pretty um, prevalent, I think. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And I think we're probably going to see a ramping up of testing over the just on, on, on a whole um, sort of population level, not just a healthcare healthcare level, but yeah, a whole population level over the next few weeks and months, which should be, I, I, I'm, you know, useful both to, to me and to you and to, to everyone else as a litmus test and a gauge of who, who might have had it, who might not have had it. But um, just coming back to an earlier point, actually, Emma, around... Um, around something you said, which I, I, I find really interesting. You said, you know, communicating with family members and or colleagues, you didn't realize how much you depend on nonverbal communication. And, and, and so I came to that revelation absolutely myself, having dealt with a lot of cardiac arrests over the past couple of weeks um, and having to interact with colleagues, make some very difficult decisions and having the absence of that nonverbal communication um is is really tricky but the most tricky thing i think i've had to experience is is again that translation of of uh, of breaking bad news to family with ppe on which which is which is really difficult have you um have you found it difficult communicating on on the radio and or um uh, sort of trying to communicate with others with ppe on how have you navigated have you navigated trying to even get to your car keys and or ambulance keys and things under your ppe has that been a has that been a challenge yeah, I think the main one is just not being able to use your, your own phone, um, to be honest. You know, if you want to call a GP or something, you're, you're stuck in your PPE. And what are you supposed to do? You have to go and take everything off to, to just go and call a GP. Um, so that, that, that's been quite difficult. Um, um, but yeah, I, I think I just never realised how much, like you say, nonverbal communication is important and you just have to find workarounds for it. And because we're not used to it, I suppose it's quite difficult. One thing that sticks out actually is, is quite a while ago before this pandemic, we put on all our PPE for somebody who we were querying Ebola in, um, you know, way after the Ebola crisis, but we were still querying it and wearing our full face respirators like we used to have um, and calling um, Chubb with that on. And they, they said it sounded like we were in a in a bucket and we were like, well, we almost are in a bucket, really. So so I think trying to talk in the PPE on the radio is pro it's probably quite difficult for our colleagues up in control to understand more than anything. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. 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 And there's subtle, subtle differences. Absolutely. Um, so listen, that's absolutely, absolutely fantastic, uh, Emma. So just a couple of things I wanted to 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 ask before we um, before we finish up. Um, one is um, if uh, just just as a community of practice, so we have um, lots of paramedics, doctors, nurses that that will listen and or and or watch this. Um, is there a message of encouragement you'd like to give to them through this difficult time um, and through this last difficult few weeks? Yeah, so I think I'd just like to say that um, well done to everybody for such a fantastic effort that that, that you're all putting in um, and just keep supporting each other um, you don't realize how far you know some words of encouragement or, or asking if somebody is okay really goes um, I think it can make a real difference to somebody's day so just keep doing what we're doing really um, I think we're all we're all pushing really hard 
and it is scary and it's worrying but we can get through this together um and we'll just yeah keep going yeah absolutely emma absolutely and just uh, just just another question really around um self-care really because you know one lovely thing that you did for me you probably you did or didn't realize it was the other day you, when we were both on shift you came sort of shoved a, a bowl of um a, a stir fry in front of my face which was really appreciated i think we we're both on night i certainly was on night shift um but that that presence of both self-care and care for others just 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 around you you know it meant the world to me but actually from a self-care perspective is there anything you would advocate um in this time just just for, just for you for, for indeed for yourself or for others that that need to orchestrate self-care yeah, I mean, that particular day, um, so I was staying in a hotel a couple of weeks ago to keep me in work. So it, I just walked into work to to come and have some social interaction and have something that wasn't a takeaway. So it made sense for me to share it around where I could. Um, but yeah, self-care, I think um, it's quite important to to, to de-stress and try and do something different. You know, I've, I've been playing a lot of Xbox, which is probably not the best thing, but I'm definitely going to start getting into some more sort of home home workouts, home yoga, that sort of thing. I think there's a lot of apps available for free at the moment to, to do those things and to guide those sort of exercises. I think exercise and eating well are definitely the most important things. Um, hence why I sort of took myself out for a walk and cooked some, cooked some real food that particular week. Um, yeah. That's fantastic, Emma. Fantastic. So just one final question, really, Emma, would be what's next for you? And I know you've taken this line with a firefighter now, so you'll be matched up with the firefighter for a, for a month or two, well, a couple of months. Um, any plans to progress as a paramedic? Any thoughts or are you just going to stick with it at the moment at Westminster? What's 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 in store for you? Yeah, so after this firefighter line, I think I'll be going on to a first response unit car um which I've been quite worried about for a while I think anybody that's not worried is is perhaps a bit complacent so I think it's good to be worried but I think this firefighter line will definitely help me with that you know having somebody with me but still being completely clinically responsible um will just give me a little bit of comfort knowing actually I can do it um so that's that's the next step after this um beyond that I've not really thought much further about what I want to do I'm quite happy doing what I'm doing so yeah we'll, we'll see see where it takes me in the future I think <laughs> Emma, that's fantastic. Listen, thanks for your time today and your perspectives, which we really value it and value just your honest recital. So, um, yeah, Emma, thanks for your time. No, that's all right. Thank you.